you have your Bibles with you or your phones, I just ask you to go to Luke chapter 19, please. Luke 19. So for several weeks now, we've been in this King's series, and it all culminating to this major week here of Passion Week. And there's a king, and his name is Jesus, and he's entering into Jerusalem, and this is known as the Triumphal Entry where there's going to be shouts and praises and this word, Hosanna, and they're waving their palm branches and they're throwing their coats down on the floor, and this colt, this donkey, Jesus is riding into the city on this steed, and they're shouting these things as he's coming into the city. And here we are in Luke 19, and there's a variety of passages that you can read about the triumphal entry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I've chosen to look at Luke 19, but there'll be some supporting verses we'll also look at today from these other Gospels and the things that were written down through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So in Luke 19, starting in verse 28, is where we'll begin. And Jesus said, after telling this story, he went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. And as he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it. And bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. I just find that intriguing. We're just going to take something. What are you doing? The Lord needs it. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> so they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began shouting and singing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Now, a lot of this crowd, just to note, some of them, and actually quite a bit of them, would have been at the raising of Lazarus. So they had seen Jesus raise somebody from the dead, and now this crowd is gathering around and they're shouting their praises, the wonderful miracles they've seen, and they're saying in verse 38, Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. The Bible says that some of the Pharisees, these religious leaders that were among the crowd, they said, teacher, and they're speaking to Jesus, they said, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And then he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. In verse 40, 41 as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. And he said, How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. 
Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. And they will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. That's where we'll end for this reading. And I want to just start by emphasizing that Jesus is the King, and not just a King, He's the King of all kings, and He's the King of David. And if you remember that message a couple weeks ago when I had the different pieces of the cloak that we had ripped into 12 pieces, there were two that were remaining. And one was representing the tribe of Levi and the other one representing Judah. And here Jesus is a fulfillment of this king that would be in the line of David. And they're shouting those things about the king and the kingdom. Matthew 21, they say, See, your king comes to you. And they say, Hosanna to the son of David. And blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. That's from Mark 11. And then in John 12, blessed is the king of Israel. And they also say, See, again, your king is coming. Here Jesus rolls in on the scene, riding on this donkey that's never been ridden before and they're shouting these praises and here is the king of all kings to save them john 12 13 our memory verse it says they took branches and went out to meet him shouting hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord blessed is the king of israel And I want to take a moment to look at that word Hosanna so that we understand what it means and what it was that they were shouting. Essentially, they were crying out these words, Save us. And I read that in the psalm when we opened the service in Psalm 118. When they say, Save us, we pray, the Hebrew words there, if you were to take those and put them together... Yasha means to deliver or save, and Anna is a begging. And so they're begging him to save. You put that together, Hosanna, which literally means, I beg you to save, or please deliver us. What did they need delivered from? These people, they were tired of the Roman oppression. You know, Rome, this huge empire, is causing a lot of frustration. Not only is there a bullying going on physically, but there's also taxes. And we're tired of paying Rome all this money that we earn, and they're done with it. They want to be delivered from that. And so here comes their king, and in their mind, he is here, and he's going to start taking names and we're going to get the kingdom back. We're going to start to, to be the one who, who can defend ourselves against Rome. And we can be the bigger power physically. Be the bigger nation. They wanted a national salvation. And in their mind, I don't think they understood that Jesus came to deal with the heart issues. There is a heart oppression. And the issue is that of sin. And Jesus is coming into 
this equation to settle the issue of sin. And so even though they're shouting, save us, and they're begging that, they, they don't truly understand what Jesus is really there to do. And we see that just days later. A crowd that's shouting Hosanna is shouting crucify. I thought he was going to be our king. And it almost turns into some mockery in the midst of the scorn and the beatings and all that, calling him the king of the Jews in a mockery sense. But what Jesus came to do goes so much deeper He's here to save people from their sin. Well, the children's moment, there was the conversation of the rocks. And these Pharisees, they, they wanted the people to stop shouting these things. And Jesus says that if they're not going to shout, then these rocks will cry out. Shouting rocks. If they keep quiet, the stones will burst into cheers. And I want to just address this because there's a couple different views on maybe what Jesus was actually trying to say with that. One is indeed creation, which is inanimate. It's a rock, but yet has the capacity to shout God's praises. And here's where I'm going to go with this. In Psalm 114, verse 7, the Bible says, Tremble earth at the presence of the Lord. And then in Psalm 98, verses 8 and 9, it says, Let the mountains sing together for joy. Singing mountains. Creation gives God glory. It sings about the glory of God. And it says, Let them sing before the Lord. And if people aren't going to give God praise, guess what? Creation is going to give God's praise. And so that's one interpretation is a literal look. If they're not going to shout over me being the king and the one who can save them, these rocks will do the shouting. Because all creation sings in my presence. Another interpretation, I think this is interesting, and I must credit Brian Young for this. When he was talking about the resurrection a couple of years ago, he mentioned that it's quite possible, given the location where Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, there would have been a cemetery off on the side of the road. And the way they would have had those cemeteries and set up and things they did as Jewish people is on the headstone or the gravestone, they would stack up rocks. And these rocks, they signified life or the resurrection or eternal life. And so one theory is that by the gate in which Jesus was going to be entering into Jerusalem, he's passing by a cemetery when these dead Pharisees say, you need to tell these people to knock it off and to be quiet. And Jesus goes, look, if they don't say anything, then these stones are going to cry out. Signifying these dead individuals over here. And prophetically speaking, because of what Jesus will do at His resurrection, is that the saints who have gone before the cross and the saints who go after the cross, we all have a resurrection that is coming our 
way. Those stones that represent the dead, they will cry out because they're going to be raised to new life. It was a prophetic thing. But regardless of whether it was a literal, all creation sings in my presence, or if it was representing that this cemetery of dead people, they're going to start shouting if they don't. Regardless of what it was, it's important that you and I, we are people as followers of Christ, we speak up on God's praises. There's a whole world out there that would like us to stop. But God's just too good to be quiet about it, isn't it? Psalm 96.3 says, Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all people. Matthew 24 talks about how the gospel is going to go throughout all the world to all nations. And Jesus gives His followers. Remember, the Pharisees are dressing His followers And later on, after his death and his resurrection, there's a moment where he's about to ascend into heaven and he's with his followers and he gives them this command, I want you to go and make disciples. And for you and I, that means we need to speak up. There are people who need to know about this king and they're distracted by all these things of the world and the king might be parading right through their own town. And they don't realize what's in front of them. And so you and I, we shout His praises. We let people know who the King is in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of our culture. And it might lead them to asking some questions. What are you even talking about? Who is this Jesus? And we'll get to that here in a moment towards the end. But we need to speak up. This is a perfect week to speak up. We've got something to talk about, don't we? We can talk about all kinds of things. Man, it was windy this week, wasn't it? Yeah, and we can relate on that. We can talk about weather. We can talk about sports. We can talk about the state of our nation. We can talk about all these things. We can talk about a government that will not last for an eternity when the king and the kingdom need to be shared. We'll talk about all these problems with a nation that is corroding, and meanwhile, the kingdom of God is advancing. Let's talk about it. Let's not be quiet. Let's let people know there's a king, and he's come to save. Some of you are looking at me right now like, "Uh, I'm trying to just... We need to speak up. Not be passive. Has God done anything in your life that's worth sharing about? If He's redeemed you from your sin and from the pit of hell, that's worth talking about. He's redeemed my life. I want to let people know. Has He redeemed your life? Do you want to let people know? Or do we want to just see a whole world of people just die in their sin when we could have said something? Let's speak up. I absolutely love this moment here that Jesus has. He's weeping over this city. And that's not the part I love. 
Jesus is crying. He's sad. I don't love that part. The part I love in the midst of his crying is he talks about how there's a way of peace in his kingdom that they just didn't see. They didn't understand. And I want to take a moment to just sit on this because as he comes closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead and he begins to weep. He says, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace. As a pastor in 2022, I want people to understand that they can have peace in their life through Jesus Christ. He's called the Prince of Peace. The government will be on Jesus' shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. There is so much turmoil. Our world is full of anxiety. Our world is full of depression. Our world is full of all these kinds of things that lack peace. And here the king, and in his kingdom, he gives peace. He tells us that directly. He says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. And he says, and I don't give to you as the world gives. His peace rises above all of the noise that leads to the inner turmoil that we face. In John 16.33, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. How do we get peace? I think it's the focus that we put on the king and the kingdom, and all of a sudden, all this other stuff really isn't as big because we know what truly matters. And we don't get caught up in all these things that can be a distraction. I love Philippians 4. The Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, and then with thanksgiving, we present our request to the, to the Lord. And then it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. God's peace is supernatural, and to be honest with you, you can't fully explain it to somebody. Your world can be shaking, but yet when God brings His peace, it steadies you, even in the midst of the tremble. And I want to point out, we pray about these things. In this world, we will have troubles. Can I get an amen on that one? Okay. So we go to him in prayer. He says, pray about everything. Don't just worry about these things. Pray about it. Bring these requests to me. And the key word here is to do it with thanksgiving. So Hosanna means to save us. But what's interesting is there's also another interpretation with Hosanna, and it's actually being thankful for the salvation that He brings. And so as we're in prayer to the Lord, we thank Him for the things that He's done in our life. First off, for the salvation that He brings to us spiritually. I have a hope. I have a future because of what Christ has done in my life. I don't have to let the things of the world weigh me down. 
I have a Savior who's the King, and I'm a part of His kingdom. And we're thankful for that. And we can share our hearts with the Lord, telling Him what we're thankful for. And I think if you bring your request to the Lord and you start to share with Him things you're thankful for, this is the part that I can't fully explain as a pastor, but I've seen it happen with people when I walk them through these steps. I'll say, tell me some things that you're thankful for. And it's like there's just a wash of peace that goes right over them when they start sharing the things that they're thankful for. There is something supernatural that I cannot explain, but it says it will guard your heart and your mind. We have the ability to have peace because we have a prince of peace and we live in a kingdom of peace. Peace is available and we go to the Lord for these things. So if we're people who are talking about our king and we're talking about the kingdom... We're speaking up, and, and we're experiencing peace even in the midst of the turmoil. I think people are going to ask some questions. Don't you? Why aren't you all worked up? Maybe somebody sees you walking through a circumstance. They ask questions like that. gives you an opportunity to share about this Prince of Peace in your life. And they may ask you, who is this Jesus? And I want to emphasize that in one of the supplemental passages here in Matthew 21. They ask that question. Who is this that's coming? Who is this? And so a question I have for all of us as we listen, do you know the King? Do you know the King? If you do, it changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. It changed everything in my life. I'd heard people testify about the king. I grew up in a great church. But finally the rubber hit the road and I met the king. And he changed my life. And I want to live for his kingdom. And there's going to be times where I'm going to want to do things Russell's way. And I'm going to want to build Russell's kingdom. And there's going to be conflict and times where I'm thinking, you know, this is what I want to do, but I think maybe I need to check with the king. What does he want me to do? But God is with us. And when we ask that question, who is this? I believe we should give an answer. The Bible says always be prepared to give an answer for the reason that you have hope. And you do it with a gentleness and you do it with respect and with humility. But to be able to share about the reality of Jesus, this just might seem obvious, but to do that, it means that he's got to be real in your life. So I just have some application questions for us here. The first one is, are we living with a kingdom mindset? Do you forget that every day is a day in the kingdom of God? We need to refocus. What are things that I can do to help advance his kingdom? That's what we're living and breathing to do, is to bring him glory in his kingdom. So we live with a kingdom mindset. We also speak up about the king. We let people know who Jesus is and the reality that He is in our life. 
and the reality that he can be for them. And then I think another thing is to truly understand and know the peace that he brings. And to go to him, say, Lord, you are the Prince of Peace, and I'm dealing with a variety of things, and I need this peace that even the Apostle Paul, when he wrote about that in Philippians, he says, you can't fully understand it. I know I can't fully understand it, but I need that. So you ask God for that. And you live this life of thanksgiving unto Him. Another thing to note is with this Hosanna, meaning save us, it's possible there's someone listening right now that you reflect in your own heart and in your own life. Where am I at with this King? Has He saved me from my life of sin? Have I been redeemed? Have I been brought into His kingdom? I want to encourage you to say, God, please save me. Hosanna. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to save you. In a moment, I will lead us in that if you would desire that today. I want to leave you with this. Again, something Brian Young shared a couple of years ago. But every year, the high priest would go out into a field of these lambs that they were basically shepherding, and he would pull the best lamb that he could. And then he would head back into the city, and they were going to sacrifice that lamb for Passover to cover the sins of the people. And these other priests, they would walk with him to the city gate, and then he would go off into the field and he would select this lamb. They'd put a rope around its neck and then walk it back to the city. And when he would come back to the city gates, these priests would meet him with a blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So even as Jesus comes as king, Understand he comes as a sacrificial lamb to save us from our sin. We have a king who humbly came to serve and not be served. A king who came to suffer and a king who came to save. And before we pray together, I just want to draw your attention to this video that emphasizes the king that we have in Christ. The king has returned. The prophecies fulfilled. The years of longing are over. The king has returned, and now all will be made right. Amidst shouts of praise and tears of joy, the pleading for justice, the cries for our enemies' defeat. The king has returned. The king who was driven from his land as an infant, who spent his first years as a refugee, who understands pain and suffering. This king is not who we were looking for. This king brings justice 
not over our enemies, but in the midst of our enemies. He brings peace, not in our land, but in our souls. He is the answer to the prayer we did not know we were praying. The king has returned. Long live the king. The king is dead. The hand that once held a branch now gripped a hammer. The king is dead. This king of kings who embraced the very nature of a servant. This prince of peace broken for us. This commander of angels surrendered cross. This king joins us in our suffering, empathizes in our weakness, and he calls us to die with him, to lay down our lives, to live in surrender that we may be fully alive. The king is dead. King Jesus, we thank you. For coming to this earth to save us. And Lord, we're just grateful that you came. We're grateful that you gave your life. even in the midst of torture and agony. You paid the price to save us. 
Lord, if there's someone right now that is crying in their heart for you to save them, I want to lead that individual in prayer. Just pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, please save me. Please forgive me of my sin. Please cleanse me and make me new. I want you to be my king. And I want to live in your kingdom. So I'm putting my faith and trust in you. It's no longer about me. It's no longer about my kingdom. It's all about you. Thank you for saving me. And Father, for all of us as we respond to this truth and the reality of the King and the Kingdom, help us to live with great focus and clarity in the midst of a world that lacks both of those things. And in a world that lacks faith in Christ, help us to be people who speak His name, to share Christ with others so that they may encounter the King of all kings. Help us to experience the peace that you bring. And you give peace not as the world gives. And the peace you offer, we can't fully comprehend, but it guards our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this time together in reflection of your triumphal entry. May we live in the reality the fact that you save us from our sin, you're our king, and we live in a kingdom that will last forever. We thank you now, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.